This call is being recorded. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Black Dogs Matter Sports Podcast. This is our reaction show for the MSU versus Alabama game. It was a 38-7 loss. It was kind of expected. But at the same time, a lot of things happened that we have to discuss. Tua Tagovailoa went down. Colin Hill went down. Rickon Davis went down. DJ Morgan went down. It was just a, overall just a very physical game. So joining me today to discuss it will be uh, Derek Thomas of the Maroon Maniac Podcast. Derek, what's happening, man? What's going on, Jay Short? Um, um, yeah, unexpected loss because we haven't beaten Alabama since Kroon. Mm. So. Well, I think we had to look at two. I mean, a lot of teams haven't beat Alabama since Chrome. I think they were saying the last year that 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 when we beat them, they lost six games that season. Since then, I think Alabama hasn't lost any more than I want to say two games. It's probably three, maybe one season they lost three. Most years they never lose more than two. So it ain't a lot of people beating them. I mean, quiet as kept LSU didn't beat them until last week for eight years, and LSU one of the best things because been considered one of the perennial powers in the nation. So I don't think it's one of those things where we can feel sad about that. We hadn't beat Alabama. Nobody else has. I, that's why they have five national championships. I feel but the last 10 years. Yeah. So I don't think that's one. Of, I mean, I know Ole Miss has, so I think that's what makes uh, oh. Mississippi State fans get them a little tizzy. That Ole Miss that's is the one that's done it. those wins off the board, those few freeze cheater wins with those ineligible <laughs> players. But anyway. ain't cheating, ain't fine. Well, well, I, I still think even though right now, and they almost feel it's over. Nothing to talk about, but you always got to be looking toward. And I mean, I would hope that our coaches are looking toward even next season and starting to see what do we have to build upon. We do have two games left where we can potentially still make it to a bowl game, which a lot of people feel that we will. But at the same time, the things to evaluate, and then you're looking toward next season, you're building toward next season, like getting the offense to a point where you can see where the offense starts to look exposed next year. What do we have on defense? We have a young D line. So, like, we have to start even, like, preparing for next year. So there are things you still can evaluate. So I think a lot of people are looking at it like, oh, man, there's not nothing left to talk about with this season. But I'm kind of like – I'm still like, what are people so disappointed by? Like, with everything that has happened with the squad, like, people are like, I don't want to talk about it anymore. I'm like, a rough season should have been somewhat expected with what, what we were – the hand we were dealt to start the season. Um, and then with, our, with Tommy Stevens, now we're seeing Tommy Stevens probably actually might be a pretty good quarterback. I know he was criticized for, you know, weeks for Garrett Schrader being better. And we went through that whole thing with Garrett Schrader as the guy and a lot of people being hype on him. But we're starting to see that, you know, Tommy Stevens might be a pretty good quarterback. But let's get into the show. I don't want to get long-winded here. Um, our top, yeah, topic for tonight, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about the overall just physicality of the game. Then we're going to kind of get into the overall just game breakdown, the key stats, the key players, the key decisions that were made in the game. And then we're going to have our final takeaway. What do we already know? What did we learn? What changes should we make? And then um, we're going to give our final thoughts, complaints on the, the game, on myself and Derek. All right, so Derek, let's start. Um, you never like to lose, but is it good that you feel like the Bulldogs got back to being physical? One of the complaints the whole season has been, other than in certain games, that the Bulldogs just had not been physical. They're not playing the Bulldog brand of football. Even though we lost today, I felt like the defense was physical. It's just that Alabama, that, that passing game of theirs, the Tua Tagalova, um, was too much. So is it good that Mississippi State at least showed that physicality that we're used to them having? I will say yes. It was nice to see the Bulldogs try to have some bite. Not much bite in this game, 
but we did compete the best of our ability. Maybe we just, like you said, we don't have the athletes to compete with Alabama. We don't have a secondary to stop three first-round wide receivers. And then you have to look at Waddle as well. He is going to be a pro wide receiver. He is an exciting player. Um, we just don't have the athletes right now to compete with Alabama. And, but it was nice to see our defense and some of our young Bulldogs, you know, get on the field and actually, you know, tussle with Alabama. Seeing Martin Emerson, you know, going up against a first-round wide receiver. Yeah, young, young pup got a lesson uh, talk to him today. But here's the thing. He didn't give up. He, he stayed. He tried to cover Smith as best as he could cover Smith. And, you know, he was right there for a couple of, of the passes, just seconds away from being able to make a play to knock the ball away. Uh, but, of course, we know Tua Tagovailoa is a very accurate quarterback. So um, this game was hard to watch, but, you know, offensively it was very hard to watch. Defensively it was hard to watch seeing those wide-open receivers running down the field. Uh, but – What's there to be expected when you're playing a team like Alabama? Uh, when we, when last year we had one of our best defenses and we, we still really couldn't compete with Alabama. Right. And I, I concur. And it's just that the thing I was just noticing just early in the game, I was like, man, they're actually trying to hit somebody. And, like, I feel like most of the season it felt like teams just could line up and just run the ball on them. It felt like they were just running straight up the middle. I felt like a lot of the runs that Najee Harris got were earned. I mean, you ain't even know what a guy that big. I mean, he was running physical. It wasn't like the guy was just running. It was a bunch of arm tackles. I didn't see a lot of those. A lot of the extra yards Najee Harris got, it was because he actually had to run over somebody and really had to really put some force into it. It wasn't like, you know, previous game where guys were running. You're like, did y'all even try to tackle him? Like, I didn't feel that way in this game. So that's the thing I was just, um, I really liked was the fact that our defense really just played physical. And they looked like they wanted to be on the field. Um, and part of me is like, man, if you brought the same energy in some of these early games, we might be a little farther away. But it kind of speaks to what we were talking about early in the season where we were saying the defense just needed time to grow up um, and somewhat just get adjusted to those other guys, even though suspended guys not being there. And you're seeing some of the young guys kind of step up. I saw Nathan Pickering make a play, and a guy I want to highlight a little later. But you saw him make a play. Uh, you're seeing, like, Errol Thompson, of course, had a really good game. But you're seeing guys make plays. Uh, the D-line, like, they're finally kind of gelling. I think it just took too long. It was one of those things, I think, like, with our team, I felt like really in a perfect world what would have happened if it was Tommy Stevens wasn't hurt early in the season and he kind of was able to develop as the season went on. I think our offense – we needed our offense to make up for what our defense lacked the first half of the season. I think the defense is finally coming on, but it, it probably was too late. Like, if our defense had started emerging and our offense was clicking, I think we still would probably have a pretty solid record right now, at least a 7-3 and three and definitely a 6-4. and four. But I think, like, the, the defense was obviously too far behind, and, and now it's just too late. I mean, we have Abilene Christian and Ole Miss left, but, you know, eh, you know what I'm saying? So, all right, so – so this is a question to you, Derek. Are you surprised that Tommy Stevens was the guy that made it out the game healthy and not Tua Tagovailoa? I mean, uh, made it out the game healthy and not Tua? No, I mean, here's the thing. I don't think Tua Tagovailoa should have played at all. He didn't need to play this game for Alabama to beat our Bulldogs. Uh, but I understand why he may have wanted to play because he's just a gamer. 
I don't know if it has anything to do about trying to position himself to win the Heisman. But, you know, um, I am not shocked that he ended up leaving this game injured simply because he was better than bruised against LSU last week. Uh, so he came in the game already not 100%. Um, he looked 100%, but he wasn't. And on the play, he got hurt. Alabama's already up. We're not going to come back. We haven't been able to do much on their on their defense all day. Uh, as a matter of fact, on the commercial break, the the court the, the, the the commentators thought that Mac Jones was getting ready to come in. So when I switched mm-hmm. off, I'm like, okay, Tua's going to be out. Let me check out some other games. I switched back to the Alabama game. Tua is getting pulled down by two Bulldogs, and he's laying there writhing in pain, bleeding. So I'm like, come on, Nick Saban. But uh, I'm not surprised. I mean, Thomas Stevens, uh, an inefficient 12 or 21 for 82 yards, a 3.9 average per completion. Eh, you know, mm-hmm. I know Thomas Stevens is your guy, but we just didn't. Yeah, my guy. I, I wouldn't look at it that way. I'm just, no, even as I watched in the last two games, I think I understand why Moorhead is, I'm going to say a fan of his, but you can see the offense is a little different with him in there. And he could do some of the same things that Gary Schroeder can do. I never questioned whether you didn't look at the game and you're like, can the quarterback functionally complete the ball? Like, I think with Gary Schroeder, that was really the question. And I think at least from that standpoint, you see why he goes with A. Thomas Stevens. Now, I personally feel like myself that he, and I think you had suggested this weeks weeks ago, that we should have played both. And I think we still probably should have, but it's nothing we can do about that now. I think Thomas Stevens is our guy. I think Moorhead wants to prove over these next two games and possibly a bowl game. Because I think the thing is, you go against Abilene Christian, you blow them out by 50, 60 points, you beat the Ole Miss, and then you have a bowl game against some bunk conference USA school, and you blow them out. You at least give people hope that your offense it can be very effective. Well, you get I'm a few more playmakers. This. We cannot o- overlook that team up north. We can't overlook oh, I'm not overlooking them, just – um, because they play LSU tonight, and I'm hoping LSU beats the dog out of them. Um, I'm I, I have no I have no doubt that we're going to beat Abilene Christian. I have no doubt that we're going to put on an offensive showcase against Abilene Christian. Um, you know that's going to be a, um, a a game that's going to help us get close to bowl eligibility with the Egg Bowl uh, being the coup de grace uh, to bowl eligibility. Uh, we do not want to lose that game because that's just uh, something else we have to deal with. Losing the egg and then being denied a bowl by the Robert Sharks or whatever they want to call themselves this year or, or this month or this week or whatever they want to refer to them to themselves as. Uh, they have a serious identity crisis. <laughs> but mm. uh, um, I, I wish we would have played both quarterbacks. Give Garrett Schrader more playing. Well, you know, some playing time. Um, I mean, he is your quarterback of the future if KT leaves, and which is on is kind of the, the consensus that he's going to leave. And then you have Maiden there. Uh, West probably going to be who he's competing with. Hey, I guess we'll see. In the spring. I mean, I think nobody knows what's going to happen with our quarterback position. You know, we didn't talk about it on our initial, on our show this week, but Joey Gatewood apparently might be visiting. I don't know 
it's just a few reports out there that he will be, but we'll see how that works out, especially since he might not be able to play next year more than, or more than likely won't be playing next year. So it's interesting that we are actually pursuing him, even though he might not play next year, which kind of makes you wonder, like, you know, if he, even if he does come and he's going to play that next year, after next year is like, what if the guy we have next year, whoever it is, whether it's Tommy, not Tommy Stevens, Gary Strader or, or Jalen Maiden or KT. We don't know for sure what's going to happen with those guys yet. Not official yet, but any of those guys. Or even a Will Rogers. Who knows? What if one of those guys goes out there and balls out next year? One of those guys goes out there and balls out next year. Like, what do you do with Joey Gatewood then? You know, if those other guys kind of take the reins, and then you've got a you know, high caliber backup, but at the same time, those guys don't want to play. But what are those guys or have already established themselves as the guy of the future? So I well, think that's something that's what. What I think Real Rodgers needs to do is grow a mustache. Because we know what the last quarterback from Brandon High School did when he had a mustache on his face. And right now, he's enjoying a pretty successful rookie year uh, with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, you know, who's to say that Will Rodgers won't come in and steal the job? You know, go ahead and grow the mustache. Maybe you can have some mustache magic. For himself, I'm just being sarcastic there. But I'm just wanting us to compete. That is what I want to see. Um, John Moorhead, second year, and the wins are not a plenty. Uh, already not going to even meet the win total from last year. So right now, our program is in a position that we don't want it to be in. I mean. Even with losing the Alabama two games left, uh, it, it, this is not the season that any Bulldog fan <laughs> expected. Mm-hmm. I think I said we would win eight to nine games. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> I'm right, glad right. I didn't put no money on that. But it, uh, Derek, apparently our friend Ricardo has joined us. Uh, Ricardo, what we've been discussing for the past few minutes or four or five minutes has been um, just the overall physicality of the game. And even though we lost, it's not a more victory, but was it good in some ways at least see the Bulldogs be physical for a change? Yeah. It, it was good to see them be physical, but damn. Uh, I, I just felt like I, I, I was expecting this today. You know what I'm saying? It, it, I knew we were going to lose, but, you know, it's, it's a couple of sketchy calls that the refs made, which always happen when we play uh, old St. Nick, but I didn't expect anything less. Um, I, I just hope everybody, you know, turned out end up being well. I, from what I've just saw and just heard, I think this is probably going to be a career-ending injury for two, man. I really hate that for him. Career-ending? Um, yeah. He, he pretty much had the same. He got the – matter of fact, he suffered the same injury as uh, Bo Jackson did, uh, Jeremiah. Yeah, they threw it out that it was a hip injury. I didn't know if it was going to end up being a Bo Jackson-like hip injury. Yeah, I think that from what I was hearing, what people have been saying, they they saying, and we, like I said, we won't know until Monday concrete, but they're saying it was worse than that. Oh, they said, oh. I'm looking at Bleacher Report. It's not the most reputable. Um, yeah. Because I, I, I meant to look up what it – I knew it was kind of early, so you can't go how severity of it. But it says here, Alabama quarterback Tua Tagaloa, season has reported, comes to the end due to a hip injury. He suffered during Saturday's game against Mississippi State. For the athletics, Aaron Soto Saga suffered a dislocated hip with a posterior wall. Ooh, that don't even sound yeah. good. Posterior yeah. wall yeah. fracture. Yeah. 
so that's why I say, yeah, it was worse than foes, bro. Yeah, I felt that when he didn't want to come off the field, he couldn't come off the field. And then the fact that Nick Saban ran on the field, I knew something was up. Um, At last I'll say this, much, I hope that say what he should have been on the bench in the first place. <clears throat> That's so not fair, man. Like, cause Tua is the one that lobbied to come back in the game. You can and see as the him, head coach. You sit him down. But I don't know, man. I don't know, cause truth be told. He was just as hurt last week, and he played against LSU. So I mean, oh, people he was saying that. But, hurt. Uh, I don't know. Like now I he's think, like for the season because of that decision. I mean, if his career is over, he's essentially that may be a. I mean, with the money the NFL quarterbacks are making now, that may be a three to four hundred million dollar decision. Assuming he would have turned into that type of elite type of pro quarterback, because he's not the biggest guy. Well, the, hmm. the, the era of the short quarterbacks is now in the NFL. I mean, you, you look at Kyler Murray. Well, first off, look at Drew Brees. He's a short quarterback, but he's a prototypical drop-back quarterback. The era of the short mobile quarterback, Russell Williams, Kyler Murray, um, a, a, a tour, you know, this is their time to come into the NFL and shine. I, mean, I, 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 I tend to disagree with that. Um, I'll say this. This, this, is the reason, this is the reason why it's not to be overly disagreeable. Because you do have Russell Wilson. Well, for one, Russell Wilson is pretty thick. He's a pretty stout. Well, I mean, two is pretty thick. He's got a good size, too, I feel. But Kyler Murray, what has he done? I mean, I know the Cardinals aren't horrible, but he got, he don't have a body of work yet. We don't know I mean, he's what he's going to get. For, he's starting and he's, he's had I'm just saying the, the jury's still out. We don't know what he's going to become. He has to win. Uh, he, I'm not saying he's bad. That's not do not misinterpret what I'm saying. I'm saying we can't use him as a sample size yet. Russell Wilson yet, but no, I don't think it's the era of the small quarterback. And I think like, and of course Drew Brees has been pretty good, but right as far as NFL wise, short quarterbacks haven't historically done well. Because even if you look at a lot of the mobile quarterbacks, of course we look at a Lamar Jackson right now. Lamar Jackson is that's another difference with Michael Vick. And him, even though they're very similar, he's tall. He's six three. Six he two. still can see over the line. Say what? Well, six two, six three. Yeah. I mean, he's good. He's tall. He's lanky. So, I mean, I don't think it's the era of the short quarterback getting being to it. Even before the injury, he's shown him. I, I was even out on him as a first pick in the draft because I think he's a little injury prone to begin with. And, and so, it's kind of. I mean, it's shifting the tone of our show because we're supposed to be talking about Mississippi State, but. You know, this is huge news for the college football world. I mean, some news that we aren't overly surprised by. It's just the overall nature of it that's a bit devastating. So, that two so our main impact of this season as a college football team was sidelining two really. I mean, that's going to be the major impact that Mississippi State made on the college football season this year. I mean, we didn't do it with our wins. I mean, look, Kyler Hill, pretty good year. But the major impact will be the outcome of Tua's injury after playing Mississippi State. I mean, that's going yeah. to be what people want dirty that is, like you that, is it was pretty- that is our contribution to mainstream college athletics right now. I mean, outside of Kyler Hill, outside of the KT transfer, outside of Tommy Stevens transfer, the injury to Tua Tagovailoa via against our Bulldogs is going to be a story that's going to be talked about for weeks now. You know, it's going to be, I mean, it's going to be talked about for years. I, I, I think that's going to be a storyline over the next couple of years. And I'm not saying we're going to become a great team over the next 
two to three years and going to be like a national championship contender. But you got to think that's going to add some real heat. The game itself is going to become a true robbery. I mean, some people feel that it is a robbery in a general sense, but it's going to become a true robbery because you got to remember that his brother plays for Alabama. So, and so his brother, you think, for it to be considered a robbery. Jeremiah? I think just the overall I no, I, I get what you're saying. Like you're misinterpreting what I'm saying. I'm saying, yeah, I know all that. I'm saying like, but just from the overall heat that's gonna come from it, because the play wasn't dirty at all. You cannot blame Leo Lewis and I think Mark, you can't blame him wasn't dirty. It wasn't hurt dirty at all. It just might have been just the force. Those guys are big guys. I mean, what Marky Spencer two eighty, uh, Leo Lewis two forty, and he actually had an okay season. He actually starting to play quite well. But you know, the overall it was just a game, a hit. It was a tough hit, and just probably the way he fell, which is unfair. But it is what it is. But I don't want to kind of belabor the point. I mean, we'll probably have time to discuss that on our on our show on Tuesday. But I wanted to kind of this game was physical, and that's kind of that kind of was the story of the game, in my opinion. The overall physicality of the game with all the injuries that we did have, even with two of our players getting knocked out of the game. But it was some stats just really you know worth looking at. Obviously, Alabama had a lot of passing yards. They had 350 yards passing. I think Tua had about 270 of them. Mississippi State had 180 yards rushing, and Thomas Stevens himself had 96 yards rushing. So, I guess the first question is talking about Alabama passing yards. And I don't want to stick on it too long, because we're just going to kind of go from one point to the next. But why why is it so hard to stop Alabama's passing game? So, I'll go to Ricardo first, since you just joined in. Oh man, Jeremiah, that's a great question, man. Because it seems so. What's the lack lack of better word? I don't want to say fluky, but it seems so vanilla, man. Like, cause you know what's coming. That's why I never understood why it's so hard for people to stop it. Cause all you all they do is play action, throw the ball deep. That's all they do. Like, yeah, run the ball a little bit. It's like Alabama run the same four plays. That's it. <laughs> like like Nova game, like those those said. Yeah, it's like they run the same four plays. How is this so hard to stop? Like, I don't get it. So uh, with with that being said, I I don't know. Maybe maybe they don't. People people don't not really just studying the tape on Bama and really not taking heed, studying or just dissecting the whole just the play calling, but. Well, here's the thing. You, you may say Alabama may run the same four plays, but if they run those same four plays, the game of football is decided by how you execute on the, on the football field. And even though they run the same, they may rerun the same four plays or not. First off, you got to get past that Alabama, Alabama offensive line to pressure to them. Second, your defensive backs have to cover. Uh, second, if when, when, when Tua steps up, someone has to be on him. And he's good at making time. He's good at moving around in the pocket. He's good at evading defenders. Um, and he's why receivers run crisp routes. They're going to beat your DBs deep. They're going to have them... Shook up. I mean, like if you look at Jerry Judah when he runs his crossing routes, I mean it's like a split second before the ball gets there. Here comes to the Mississippi State defender to try to draw the ball loose, but the pass has already been completed for a first down. I mean, they execute at such a high level. That's the difference between an Alabama Crimson Tide versus the Mississippi State Bulldog team. 
Alabama executes mm. their offense and their defense at such a high level. Um, you have to damn near match that execution level and, and pressure level to even try and stay on the field with them. That is very difficult because of the type of athletes that Alabama had. Now, we have some good athletes. You know, this, this is not discounting our athletes, but over the years, the Alabama athletes have shown they are better than our Mississippi State athletes. That's just how it's been. You know, we haven't been able to stay on the field with Alabama uh, in a while. We haven't stayed within, what, 21 points of them for a good while. Uh, so that's just where we are as a football program right now. That also right. bothers me because that team up north played Alabama a lot tougher than we did. You know, so um, I was hoping that we could have played the play the game, even though we played a physical game. I would have liked to have seen us score more points on that Alabama defense. You know what I'm saying? Right. LSU showed a roadmap to how you can attack an Alabama defense. Now, granted, we don't have a Joe Burrow at quarterback. We also don't have three receivers like LSU has. Those three guys, when it's their time to get to the NFL, all three of those guys will be first-round draft picks as well. So we have to work on executing at a higher clip. If we can do that, then we can possibly match a team like Alabama and stay in the game with a chance to pull an upset victory. All right. Um, I get kind of speaking to some of the good numbers that we did have. We did um, have 180 yards rushing, which normally if you at least you know get in that ballpark, then only means you produce more points. So why weren't we able to leverage uh, our running game of uh, being able to rush for 180 yards? Thomas Stevens had 96 on his own, and we're going to get to him in a minute. And then Nick Gibson had a good game. Colin struggled a bit, kind of um, rushing out the backfield. Why couldn't we leverage our rushing, our running game against Alabama a bit more to produce more points, Derek? Well, when you're – Okay, so just to add to that question, why weren't we able to finish drives with that? You know, it seemed like we were able to get there a few times. Why weren't well, we able to finish drives when we got to the red is, Here is what I saw. Let's say it's 36, right? Right. Even Gidry runs a five-yard route instead of a six-yard route. Um, as on the five-yard route, the Alabama, the Alabama defender is right there to stop him short. Again, execution. If you know you need six yards, man, drill back an extra yard to get that, to get that extra. That happened a couple of times. When he was the target, he was a yard shy. Bro, just drift back or run your route a yard deeper than what you are running it as. Because the Alabama defender was right there to stop him each. Well, well that kind of just speaks to the overall, like, this week, Stephen Gidry. Like, I'm not saying, like, I, can ha I have the all, whatever thing where I can see the whole field of every play. But what I've always noticed with Stephen Gidry as you're speaking, um, and I don't mean to cut you I'll let you finish your point. Uh, with Stephen Gidry, uh, a lot of times you see him catch the ball is normally like a combination of maybe three routes. It's going to be a crossing route. It's going to be a skinny post or some type of fly route. It's very rare when the ball gets thrown to him or maybe like a fade. It's very rare when it's something um, based off an extensive route tree, um, whether it's an out route or maybe every once in a while he runs one of those, a curl, anything that requires any high-level skill of route running. So I think that's the thing is that high-level, that high football IQ that you should have as you're stating that, you know, okay, even though it's a five and across, you know, you need to run a little different, maybe deeper, maybe run seven 
or like that one play where Alabama scored, their receiver had enough IQ and him and two are so clicked up where they were running an out route. He had sense enough to just threw it to a spot and he turned around and caught the ball. It's just that football IQ and having that connection with your quarterback. You know, that's just, right. just knowing how to play the game. And, um, and that was no uh, slight on Brian Cole. That's just hard to defend. And right. it's just dude. I mean, we're going to get to our receivers in a little bit later in the show, about 10, 15, 10 or 15 minutes. But like, I guess back to what you were saying as far as like with, you know, Stephen Gidry not, you know, running the route the proper way, Gary. And then they were king on Colin, so we knew they were going to try and stop him. He's our weapon. Uh, when he did get an opening, defenders were right there to game tackle him. Um, and, of course, that's how Tommy Stevens got a lot of his yards because they're like, okay, we're not going to let Colin Hill beat us. Well, they don't. They don't. They're not respecting Tommy Stevens. I mean, they're not gonna respect his passing or his running. But they know Colin Hill. If he gets loose, he can hurt them. And Tommy Stevens did not hurt the Alabama defense with his passing. Yes, he may have nicked them a little bit with his rushing, but it wasn't enough to give us any type of edge offensively to soften that Alabama defense up. Yes, Nick Gibson was able to gain some yards um, against Alabama. You know, but, you know, hey, at that point, Alabama started putting reserves in or rotating players in. The game was already decided. Our offense just wasn't able to do anything against the Alabama defense on a consistent basis to keep us in the football game. That's just the bottom line. Ricardo, so why don't you think we, were, we weren't able to leverage the, um, our probably having a solid rushing effort to more points in this game? Play call. I think it was the play. What call. about the play call? It was real, like basic. It was very, very basic. It was like I don't know. It seen, seen I seen images of Dan Mullins today. Like, <laughs> why, like why would you like some of them play calls? Like, get you like like you scratching your head. Like, really, bro? Like the I remember. I don't know if y'all remember the this one particular play call. I want to say it was like a third and. Oh fuck! Was it a third and eight ish, ten ish, or something like that? And I want to say we had just got caught a holding, uh, or something. It was something that that, that took us back. And no, I think it was when uh, the guy—I forgot who that was—that ran the ball and uh, Cyrus Mitchell had helped. And when it came back, it was a third down, and right before the fourth down, we ran the ball. Like, why would you run the ball on third and long? You know what I'm saying? Like, that that doesn't make sense. Like, you got to make them respect, keep the defense honest. Instead of playing scared, hoping you make a big play when these some these some juggernauts out here. These grown men out here you playing against. This ain't Abilene Christian next week. It's like we were just playing just to get the game over with on, on to next week. Like, okay, we'll we'll take this butt whooping by Alabama today. We got Abilene Christian. That's what it seemed like <laughs> to me, but I, that's just my opinion. Um, I – I'll say this, you know, I kind of was for a while, you know, for one of them, I do think Domer has a good offense, but I think one thing he does need to do, because I think he can run a program. I think he's going to be a guy that can do that. I think he needs another guy to come in, though. Uh, I think he still can keep the core components of his RPO, but I think he needs to bring in someone who, I think a name that I think would be interesting, and I think is affordable for us right now, just based off of, you know, where that coach is going to be coming from, coming out of a buyout, Chad Morris. It makes sense. It wasn't successful at Arkansas. He didn't have the athletes. It just didn't Ooh. work out. Tad Morris. 
Ted Morris, Arkansas <laughs> head coach. Oh, head coach, no. former head coach. Do you want his son to come to that Mississippi State too? Is that why you want to hire him? He's a four-star quarterback. Is that why you want Chad Morris? I don't know nothing about his son. I didn't know his son was a good quarterback. Well, I want Chad Morris. He coached at Clemson. He was a pretty darn good offensive coordinator. We need somebody that can coach offense. You bring him in here. He may well, not be a guy that's going to Say what, Derek? Well, at Arkansas. This ain't got nothing to do with coaching. This ain't got nothing to do with his head coaching experience. This guy that was horrible head coaching. Some guys ain't meant – and it just made – Arkansas don't have talent. Like, I mean, it's just not a lot of talent in Arkansas. I'm talking about him as our offensive coordinator, not as the head coach. I said as the offensive – I think you misheard what I said. I said I want him to come in as the offensive coordinator. You bring him in here because more to call the plays. You give him another eye and, and a guy that will be our coordinator maybe for a couple years, rehabilitate his image. I think it can work. I mean, this guy that was the, was the offensive coordinator at Clemson. And kind of kickstarted their offense. So why would he not be successful here in Mississippi State? Like I think that's a guy we maybe need to get another eye, an experienced guy, a guy that has head coaching experience that will help. I do, even though he wasn't a, a probably highly successful head coach. And the guy can rehabilitate his image for a couple of years, then maybe he'll get a chance to get another shot, maybe at a smaller school. So I think that's a guy that we should possibly bring in and. I don't know. I think that's a name I think that we should throw out there as far as the offensive coordinator to come in. He'll probably be affordable. We'll probably have to pay a little higher than what we have to pay for a normal offensive coordinator. But I think it's a big name. But, you know, there's a lot of other schools probably going to be trying to get him. So. But I think that's a name we should actually um, look into. Yeah. Right. I don't know. Ricardo, what do you think about that? Hey man, if they're gonna get us, get our uh, skilled players and playmakers on the field and in open space and and all that, they're gonna get us points on the board. I'm full. All right, uh, what? Uh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, what I was gonna say, I was gonna go ahead and say we're gonna so we can push the show along, move on to Tommy Stevens, and I'm not gonna ask if Morehead made the right decision with Tommy Stevens. Or Gary Schrader, I think at this point it wasn't like a decision in my my opinion. I think he already knew he was gonna do it. It wasn't like a game time decision. He was gonna start Stevens the whole time. I don't think that's a debate. But just just I'm gonna say thinking back in twenty twenty hindsight, let's just think like if Tommy Stevens never goes down against Southern Miss, like and he not that where the team per se would be, what do you think he would be right now as a quarterback if he was given a chance to like naturally progress? Because I think people – I know people saying he's an experienced quarterback. He was not an experienced quarterback. He had not started. So it's unfair to, like, judge him as that type of senior quarterback because he hadn't started. It's still growing pains you go through. That's like saying a person you were sitting in a position of – as a assistant manager at a job, and then you become the manager. Like, well, you sat under the manager for four years. Like, we know it's different when you the, the head, you know, whatever. So it's a difference. So – do you think Tommy Stevens, where would he be right now if he was able to go through the natural growing pains that a quarterback goes through if, if he hadn't got hurt against Southern Miss and was able to go through those natural growing pains? Um, Derek, I'll shoot to you first. It's hard to know. I mean, don't get me wrong. I saw what Tommy Stevens did those first two games before he went out with that injury. Um, the young man has a good owner. Um, he has some talent. Um, do I think him being healthy – throughout the season would have impacted our offense uh, in, a, in a positive way? Yes, I do. Um, the legend of Gary Schrader would not have been born without those injuries, though. So um, that's just how the cookie crumbled for Tommy Stevens in his only year as a Bulldog. 
uh, I would have likely have seen him be able to grow as a player in his first and only year starting. But that just didn't happen. So it's kind of, I can't predict the future. If I did, I predict the six powerball numbers, and I would be a millionaire. Uh, but the young man has played well. Um, he's, he has decent numbers as our quarterback, despite the injuries, despite all the criticism that uh, myself and other people have given him. Um, I'm, I'm okay with, with how he's been as a quarterback. I mean, our, our team overall isn't very good. So, I mean, he's playing football for a team that isn't very good. So it's kind of hard to truly judge his talent uh, right now against some of the SEC squads because we aren't very good at all. Right. And, Ricardo, so uh, how do you think it would have looked if Thomas even was able to go through that natural progression as a quarterback? I, I, I think I'm going to piggyback off of Derek's point, man. Like, it's, it's some of them. I, I, I really feel like, you know, we – we just really have not all our ducks, and some of the most of the teams we played against, like, really won that good. On the good, good teams we played against were Bama and LSU. Everybody else was just a little peck, and we just didn't have the coaching and didn't have the horses to go through the stable. And like, I, I don't, I, I, I really don't know how to how to assist it. You know what I'm saying? Like. I guess as you play some teams, you get better and better. You had to take your lumps. I just feel like it all comes down to play calling and putting you in the best position. Kind of like what Lamar Jackson going through at uh, Baltimore. They basically put an offense around that better that fits him, that suits him. So if done, that's what they can do. Right. All right, guys. So let's. But we talked about the first round receivers. Um, some young guys I kind of wanted to highlight. Um, I've been kind of noticing is Nathan Pickering and Sean Preston. Um, Nathan Pickering, even though his numbers aren't eye popping, I've noticed he's shown some flashes the last couple games. Um, uh, like looking like that that linchpin or that guy that can be. I think we've been blessed really since '09 having that one three technique or that well not even three technique D tackle that kind of was that guy that held that D line together. That guy that the offense focused on. And all them guys are in the NFL right now, um, and some of the top D linemen in the, in the NFL right now. And it's even where people probably can call Mississippi State D line you right now, based off we probably would feel possibly the best D line out of all the college teams legitimately right now. If you just put all those that starting D line out there, but you know you started with Fletcher Cox, then you get a Chris Jones, then you get a Jeffrey Simmons, and of course Josh Boyd throw him in there. So do you think Nathan Pickering and Sean Preston with other guys kind of been noticing playing well too? you know, maybe he can form a good combination with the Marcus Murphy. But my question is to you guys, like, do you think Nathan Pickering has that potential to be that linchpin of that D-line for the next two? And hopefully, in some ways, that the next two years, because that means he'll be just that good for the next two to three years. Um, I'll shoot to you first, Derek. Well, here's the – we have a lot of young talent on our defensive line. You got Cromedy, we got Pickering. Um, what's the other young man's name? Damian Lovett. Yeah, Fabian Lovey. Yeah, he's, he's he's a young guy. You still have James Jackson. He's still a young guy, even though he's an upperclassman. So I don't care who it is. It could be Pickering. It could be Lovey. It could be Comedy. It could be Jackson. Um, it could be Russell. It could be anybody. 
hopefully, I would love to see my former Callaway Charger, Aaron Odom, uh, uh, be, be a guy that can have an impact. Uh, but it was it is good to see the young freshman uh, play well against upper tier ACC uh, competition. I think he had a sack today. You know, so um, it, it was nice to see him play well because coming in as a true freshman, his body wasn't SEC ready, but he's worked himself into shape. So if he's the person that ends up taking over, so be it. If Crumley and Lovett and Pickering can form a threesome on that defensive line, uh, no pun intended. Don't forget about uh, Alan Love. Don't forget that Alan Love will be eligible next year. I know we don't know how good he actually is yet, but – I think that's I, the guy. I don't don't forget about. I add love to the equation, uh, but I, I've seen Crumley, Fake, Love it, and Pickering play. If Love is talented, then that just gives us another body to rotate. And the thing that fame. all of them, let's not forget too, all of them guys are freshmen. So all yeah, those guys yeah, are all freshmen. Uh, so it's exposed well for our future to have some young studs up front. Because you know you got to have body to rotate in the rough and tough SEC, especially um, with teams who run the ball. I mean, Najee Harris is a beast. If you look at that LSU game, man, he was running over the defensive tackles. Mm. I mean, he was running, he was running over the defensive tackles. Uh, so right. we have to have the bodies, and we have the youth. Uh, now we just have to get them. They're getting the experience. Now they have to grow as players. Mm-hmm. All right, so we, oddly enough, we've gotten to a few of the things. So I'm gonna make a kind of adjustment because we couldn't maybe most of the key decisions, things that I was gonna talk about. But one of the things I kind of noticed in the game, our guys were steadily fair catching. Derek, do you have any idea why our team would do that every every kickoff where they would fair catch the ball? <laughs> I have no idea why you would I, fair catch unless I never you don't gotta, have faith in the returner or your blocking. Or if you just feel like, you know what, we're going to fair catch it and just start where we start. But you, you take away an impact or potential impact play with the return. Now, granted, we haven't had many impact returns. But, hey, you never know. You might break one. Yeah, that was weird. Well, the thing about it, it seemed like we were getting the ball in 25, but even though we were calling fair catch. So, I, I just don't know why we were calling. I, I don't know. I didn't understand that. So, maybe, well, wait a minute. I'm trying to see. I'm still trying to get the whole um, fair catch thing. That one just about for me. That was just something I wanted to throw out there. Maybe we'll figure out the answer to that question on the on the press conference on Monday, and we can discuss it on Tuesday show. But let's go ahead and close out. Ricardo maybe coming back in, but something I just finally take away from the game. Just what what we really truly can learn from the game. Um, so Derek, what did we already know just from watching the game? What did we already we find? What was confirmed just from watching the game that we can't stop Alabama's passing attack. That's what was confirmed. <laughs> that just was evident uh, with the efficiency that Tua was completing passes. And then Mac Jones um, had some completions against our defense as well uh, in the relief of the injured Tua. Right. Um, I mean, it's kind of kind of like the Dennis, Dennis, that Dennis Green uh, speech to me, like if they were who we thought they were. But it wasn't in the sense – I watched some previous games when we played Alabama, and I felt like, wow, we really truly don't belong on the field with this team. Like, they out-physical us, they out-everything. I don't feel like Alabama out-physical us this game. It was out-just talent or out-three first, first-round receiver us. <laughs> it was Jerry Judy, Devontae Smith, and Henry Rose. I think that's the story of this game. 
I don't really think it was that, though, Jeremiah. I don't really think it was that. I think, you know what I think it is, and they need to stop this crap when it comes to next season, man. They need to stop stop scuzzing up for these 11 o'clock games, man. Because every, I said, when the last time we ever really just showed up, guys, for a 11 o'clock game? And yeah, ain't, they, even when I was a even now when I was a student, I remember our eleven o'clock games I always was born. So yeah, man, like what I want to if anybody could see that if, if we could go search that, I want to know what our records are for eleven o'clock games, man. I was well, hard 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 eleven o'clock game. Well, we we only have ourselves to blame for that because really historically the last probably ten years even. When we play certain teams, they're always in prime time. Even sometimes it's like, of course, like maybe like the two thirty game. When we play Alabama, when we play LSU, when we play Auburn, when we play those teams, they normally are like, and of course Ole Miss. When we play those teams, they tend to be like prime time type games, and and really a lot of our games because we normally play a pretty competitive brand of football, um, yeah. even when we play the Alabama. But I think the Auburn game pretty much burned people. We got smoked in that game, so they're like, man, we can't put them on national TV anymore. Because they're not competitive this year. So I think that's the reason we've been getting those 11 o'clock games. But truth be told, in the pecking order that SEC, we're one of the worst teams in the SEC right now. So we just were low on the totem pole. I think next season, I think things probably be a little different. But at the same time, like we just were, we were, we weren't that good. We haven't been that good this year. So I think, like, I mean, that's why we're getting those 11 o'clock games. But as you said, these 11 o'clock games, man, we just don't, we just like play flat pretty much. You know, a lot of times, our 11 o'clock games are always like that one bunk game we'll have at the beginning of the year and like homecoming or something. Other than that, like, and those games are always flat. Like, we never play with them. That's why I said, so, like, man, you're right. Like, man, I'm like, and then I feel like personally, we probably would have still lost, but I think we it would have been more of a competitive game if it was like 2.30 or 6 o'clock or something like this. I think it wouldn't have been as bad as it was. My personal opinion. Yeah. Well, that's more like us. We got to figure out why we play so weak in those type of games. Like, it's, yeah. you know, that's just, it's been years that we played poorly in those 11 o'clock games. Um, but yeah. I don't know if I got to do a little bit too much tonight before. I don't know. Um, but let's get to what did we learn? And I'll go first here. And as some of the announcers said, we, we got to go get some ballers or playmakers at that receiver position. Like Gidry, I would say one thing we definitely learned from this game is that we need to get some playmakers at that receiver position. Um, you have a uh, Stephen Gidry who was supposed to be that guy, never emerges that. I'm actually a big fan of Osiris Mitchell, but he's more of a position-style guy to me. You know, he's made some plays. Um, Dedrick Thomas leaving, obviously, but he's more of a just a solid receiver. Austin Williams is a possession guy. He hasn't really done much in his first two years as a Bulldog. Uh, Zuber never emerged as that guy coming from Kansas State. I feel like Devontae Payton hasn't got enough touches, and that's what I'm going to touch on as well. And, like, we just need a guy at the receiver position. We hadn't really had that guy since – some would say Fred Ross, but I personally feel since – Deronia Wilson. We need a guy, a playmaker. Now, we do have some young guys coming in. We have a Marcus Heath. Um, I want to say, I forgot who the other Juco guy we have coming in off the top of my head. But we do have Marcus Heath coming in. So, I'm interested, or Malik Heath, excuse me, coming in right now. So, I'm interested to see how good, what he does. But at the same time, we definitely need some playmakers at that position. And um, we need to get some linebackers from places that can cover I mean, I like Sean Preston, Marcus Murphy. I feel like he can do that, the safety position. But we need to get some linebackers that can cover. We need more Willie Gay. So I think those some things I see just they got exposed in the Alabama game that, you know, even though our corners are very good, they can't cover all the receivers. 
So all they're going to do is just try to attack the middle of the field like they've been teams been doing all year. So, um, so Derek, um, what is something that you learned from this game? Something else that I learned, right? Um, about our team. Well, I, well, um, I'm gonna have to agree with you on the wide receivers. Uh, our wide receiver talent is not a threat um, to any defensive backfield right now, to any legitimate defensive backfield right now. Um, I mean, Joe Moorhead was lauded for his offensive genius. I just haven't seen it. I understand we had a terrible passing quarterback last year in Nick Fitzgerald. Uh, We've had, um, I guess you can say, some instability at the quarterback position this year uh, with um, Stevens' injuries and then Gary Schrader uh, being thrust into the limelight and just not being already a a season or, I guess you can say, trained passer right now or just crisp or uh, accurate passer as far as on some throws. (laughs) Um, He's a gamer. I think he's going to win a lot of games in Monroe and White but he needs some quarterback coaching and some refinement of his quarterbacking technique. Uh, I'm, right. I'm an offensive lineman. Um, sometimes I feel like I don't, do, I shouldn't be able to critique a quarterback, but I got four eyes with my glasses and I can see that he, he needs some, he needs some refinement. I just want to see us compete. Like I said earlier, we definitely need playmakers. Continue to try to recruit at a high level. Bring in guys who want to be Bulldogs to try and build a winning program. I mean, right now, I am fine with getting Bo eligible right now in Joe Moorhead's second year. I'm fine with getting Bo eligible in his third year. I'm fine with getting Bo eligible in his fourth year. His fifth year? We should be competing for the top three spot in the SEC. Man, I ain't willing to wait that long, but um, that's why I differ on that. Saying, but, uh, that's, that's what we're gonna. That's what I think. He's. I think he's gonna keep continue to get extensions um, as long as he can get to bowl games. I don't think Cole is gonna fire him. I think just just projecting to the future, I think we're going to win big in year four or more hit. I think next year we'll see some flashes, um, but I think by then he would have found out who his quarterback is. I, I think right now, I think we can't project next season because we don't know who the guy going to be at quarterback. And I think, obviously, that's important for Mississippi State. But I think you're looking at that running back position in year four, you're looking at having a – who's the, the kid we have right now, the freshman we have right now, his name is – the Weatherspoon, the Weatherspoon kid. Then, no, no, we have Witherspoon already. Then you have Mark. You have uh, the other kid coming in, Dylan Johnson. And who knows uh-huh. who we're going to recruit in, in between then. Then you're looking at the receiver position. Like, we got some good young guys. Uh, Torber is already on campus. Pruitt got some young guys. Um, Malik Heath is going to be on campus, possibly, unless he balls out next year and is able to go pro. Then you got Charles Cross <laughs> is going to be a red shirt sophomore. Um, you, he has a, he's a red shirt sophomore. He's gonna be a red shirt sophomore. You got Contravius Johnson. We got some good young Nick Penley. We got some good young linemen. Then at D line, you're gonna have a Demonte Russell. You're gonna have hopefully your guy Aaron Odom. You're looking Back at all those young. 
Okay. Um, all those uh, freshman D tackles that we but will have. Get and Jack then, Harris, man. Um, at linebacker, we're gonna have like an Ambrose. We got some good young talent, oh, like Holly. Wait, right wait, 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 wait. You why are you? What you got against Jack Harris? What about him? Like I'm trying to figure out what's so special about him. <laughs> what's so <laughs> special to figure that about Monte Ross? He's long. He can rush the passer. I know you hating on your fellow. Uh, he's not Callaway, so I guess you got to hate on him. But I, well, I think no, he got a lot Jack, of sense. Jack, Don't forget Jack about Harris King Honey as well. But Jack Harris is an athlete. He can play linebacker or defensive end. So we'll you see. can't, you um, can't but, uh, just ignore him. We'll see. Uh, um, but just speaking to that, we have a lot of young talent. I think, I think. 2021 is the year. I think right now, I think this year could have, last year really should have been a year if we had the right quarterback. But I think like next year we'll, we'll improve a lot and be really good. Now if we look up and get the right quarterback. I think we'll end up surprising some people because I do feel like Errol Thompson and uh, Willie Gay and those guys will come back. But if you know, if you just want to bring that point up. All right. We we're going to talk about like what changes we can make. But I think at this point, I mean, it's kind of late in the season. Only thing personally, just to kind of skip over that a little bit, I would, I would probably just say myself, I think we just need to play some of the younger guys, of course, against Abilene Christian, and maybe let some of those guys play the rest of the season, hopefully a bowl game, and let some of our young guys get experience at this point. Like, they ain't mean the veterans aren't good, but at the same time, we need to start maybe preparing, getting those guys some reps, you know, and start preparing for next year. I agree. Okay. And so, uh, Ricardo, are you there? I'm just making sure before we go to the final thoughts. Yeah, I'm cool. All right, cool. You there. All right. Um, I just want to give a quick shout out to our Lady Bulldogs. They dominated uh, yesterday, so I just want to kind of give them a shout out for the victory and they're kind of giving them favorite Bulldogs sport after football. Yeah. And just give them some love for how they're playing this year and actually playing inspired basketball and actually making me. I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm not a women's basketball person as far as just watching the game like that, but but they're making me excited. Of course, I've been trying to check up on my girl, Rakia, and see what she's going to be doing. But a lot of those girls, they balling out. I mean, they scored, what, 124 points last night? So, um, I'm, I'm like, just give them a shout-out for how they're playing early in this season. And um, as Gabe said, maybe they might bring home that, that, that National Championship trophy uh, third time for showing. So, let's uh, guys, guys get to the final thoughts, man. Like, uh, And I guess the final thoughts in the form of a question. Like, will we make a bowl this year? So, I'm going to just shoot to you first, Ricardo. Will we make a bowl? I honestly think we probably will. Oh, maybe. Uh, if not, we do. Wow. Uh, this is going to sound kind of, oh, well, I'm, I'm going to go straight far, man. Uh, I'm going to, this just came to my mind. I'm going to just say it. But, uh. No cussing for you. No, 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 no. I'm going to pretty keep it pretty PG. Uh, I really want to see how serious this injury is with Kyler, man. Because if we don't play, uh, I don't see us winning the egg boat. And we not yeah, going to I don't. I ain't gonna say that. From what I saw, from from from. Uh, let, 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 uh, I want to give Ricardo a chance to finish his talk. Go ahead, and finish the talk, okay. Ricardo. But there's a but. But with the if if they can play, like you said, if they can play the horses that we do have, if they don't be stupid, it's a possibility. But make, don't make me look like Negro Domus in the beginning of the season because I was the long, long member of the podcast group that said we may win four or five games. So make me look. You stupid. did say that. I give you. I give you credit you on did. that. You did say that we might be terrible this year. You did say that. You did. So, so, so please make me look stupid. I, I, I love being wrong. You know what I'm saying? Don't make me look like Negro Domus. 
That's all I'm saying. But can we make a bowl game? Going off your point, Jeremiah, I, if if they, he do what you say, what you what he what you say he should do, I feel like we can. It'll probably be like a lower totem pole bowl game, like a Dollar General bowl. But hey, a bowl is a bowl. Bowl is bowl. <laughs> all right, Derek. Do you think? Do you think we're gonna make a bowl? Well, first, I want to uh, comment on um, the question, the, the comment about Colin Hill's injury. Um, I did see that uh, his aunt, Tanisha Hill, said he just had a sore neck, and he's fine. Um, however, I do think uh, we can win our final two games if Colin Hill were not available. I do feel like this injury is not going to keep him out of the Abilene Christian game, and if he makes it out of that game, I do feel like he's going to play in the Egg Bowl. Uh, but if he were not available, I think we have enough talent to definitely be Abilene Christian. I have enough confidence in Nick Gibson that we can oh, execute offensively against the Robert Sharks and win the Egg Bowl, hopefully. If our defense can slow down John Rice Plumley and that West Virginia-like, Pat White-like rushing attack, I think it will bode well for us to keep the egg in Starkville. Huh. I also think we're going to make a bowl. I don't think it really makes that type of difference if Colin isn't playing. But I do feel we got Nick Gibson and he'll run the ball well and Tommy Stevens can run the ball well. Um, I think it helps having Colin. I mean, obviously, he's the guy that, that has the potential to run 200 yards. So you can't dismiss that. But, you know, even I'm thinking, like, man, if I'm Colin, like, should you play? We saw what just happened to him. Running backs already have a lower shelf life, and I know you're not going to disagree as far as, oh, because that's me should play. And I'm, I, I'm just saying, like, what incentive does he have to play? <laughs> He's a guy that potentially is a draft choice. What is his incentive to play in two more games? I know the Ole Miss game is, is like a uh, robbery game, of course. Then some meaningless Liberty Bowl or something? Like, what's the point of him playing? So I even would think about that. But I do think we're going to make a bowl game. I think we'll probably go to some bowl game. Like I said, play some bunk team and go seven and six. And he give us some hope for the season. But, you know, even I said, though, a couple games a couple weeks ago, I, I think it wouldn't, it wouldn't be the worst thing for us to miss a bowl this year. I know people are like, oh, my God, we lose money. But I think we need to take this deal. Because it really should have happened a couple years ago when we got lucky because of a, a, loop, a loophole because of sanctions to Ole Miss, I think. But it wouldn't hurt because I think it would truly force us to evaluate our program. I don't think more here to get fired, but I think it'll force him and everyone else to truly evaluate the program because we're still hanging on, oh, we at least make a bowl game every year. Like, and we got to get past it. So I think it might force us to truly evaluate our program. So I think it wouldn't be the worst thing. I know that's a crazy thought process, but at the same time, I think it wouldn't be the worst thing for our players to be forced. You know what I mean? We see, like, in the NBA right now, LeBron James revenge season. I mean, he's like a different animal, apples and oranges. But at the same time, like it's like that type of thing. It's like that chip on your shoulder. Like, man, we must we need to make a bowl game. Like most teams, we hang they had on. Like, oh, we went to a bowl. We went to this. We need to make a bowl game. I think that would just. I think that would put that chip on our shoulder that we need. So it's an alternative thought process, but I think it wouldn't be the worst thing. Uh, so man, just closing out the show, guys. Man, thanks. Derek and Ricardo for joining me tonight. We don't we didn't have AJ tonight because he want to do the show, people. Um, so, and don't take that out, AJ. Um, but, you know, just um, join us back on Tuesday. Hopefully we'll be able to put out the show on Tuesday, guys, and we'll be able to break down the men's and women's basketball and then maybe talk a little bit about Abilene Christian or any other news that might come up over the next couple of days. And as our faithful host, AJ, would say, 
Praise the Lord and go dogs. Okay, bye.